the only podcast that would never spill the tea. This is Bombers. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Bombers. I am here today, Bomber number five, Anthony, aka Dag, with Bomber number three, Zyber, aka Zyber. I am here, and I see you... two dogs. Yes, dogs. We love to see it. And our very special and awesome and amazing guest, uh, Library NPC or uh, NPC. So welcome. Did you say a librarian or librarian? Uh, whatever I said was correct. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, very excited to have you, because this is going to be a very nice, nerdy conversation, I think, knowing you. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, just if it's nerd, I'm in. So let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any cool little intro bits that you would like for our audience to know before we get into it? Or shall we just run into it? Uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and uh, make them work for it. Let's run into it. I <laughs> love to hear it. Well, um, starters, we can tell that he's a librarian and an NPC. You can roll with uh, your speculation from there. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah, sometimes us main characters like to uh, bring on the NPCs to uh, show support for them. Welcome to Corneria. Yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, first thing I'd like to get this going... Um, I think it's cool enough. Yeah, that hurt my finger a little bit, so let's do this. <laughs> Scrooge, wonderful Scrooge, has sent in something for drinks and foods. So here's the drinks and foods. It is tea. I got sent tea. Yeah, I hope you, I hope you understand the context of what he was saying earlier now. Yeah. Uh, from Harney and Sons, the Master Tea Blenders, I was sent two different blends. The one that I've chosen for this week is the nourishing Japanese Sencha green tea from Tea Garden to Teacup. This is just a talk about, this is not a talk about the actual Sencha. Is there anything about this particular tea on these? Uh, a very approachable green tea that offers the soft, light flavor found only in the finest green teas, loaded with healthy antioxidants. It has a caffeine content of 30 to 50 milligrams per sachet. Sachet. <laughs> you know, so it's great how I was on Discord being like, hey, I'm getting into tea, any suggestions? And then someone sends you tea. I feel like you asking for suggestions may have prompted me getting tea. <laughs> Where's my tea? Well, first give out your address and then uh, we'll, you'll get tea. Right, Those are the steps. My, I already gave it to you. Send me it. No, this is my tea. <laughs> <laughs> How about oh, this? You humanity. go ahead and send me his address, and I will send him tea from one of my favorite places. <laughs> what is your favorite tea? So, uh, like, favorite tea or favorite tea place? Both. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> I, it, it really just depends on my mood. You know, I like uh, various types of tea depending on weather and circumstances. Like year round, green tea is good. But, you know, if it's snowing and whatnot outside, I'm going to go ahead and break out a blend, sometimes a chai, sometimes uh, what's uh, the one uh, tea shop of uh, the Royale Tea Company calls uh, their Winter Storm, which, if I remember correctly, is black ginger, vanilla. I think there might be almond in there. Like, Ooh. it's it's a really nice, you know, down-to-earth, perfect for uh, 
you know, just perfect for winter tea. But then uh, when uh, Snowbright Studios was doing a uh, cookbook with their adventures for their Kickstarter, they were also doing tea pairings, working with uh, my other favorite tea shop, Friday Afternoon Tea. And uh, they're a nice, solid, LGBT-owned and operated uh, tea shop. And they do custom blends. One of their blends that I ended up getting, uh, they have blends for each of the main D&D classes. So I have a Bard's blend sitting over there, which I don't remember what's in it right now. But then they also You probably will never know if it's the Bard. I mean, the bard is the one that gets into everything, not the other way around. It was probably, honestly, better that you don't know what's in it. <laughs> but uh, the other one that I really liked was Wisdom, which is, of course, inspired by uh, the Triforce of Wisdom from The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And one of the things I loved about that was, if I remember correctly, it had blue cornflower. So it actually brews as a blue tea. That's so cool. And then if you add lemon, it becomes a purplish red if i remember correctly i'd have to get it and look at it again but but that's cool yeah so two favorite tea places and i do like my tea nice well while you have tea i have a milk tea flavored mochi Ooh, much nice yes let me put in front of my face so you can actually see yeah it's like let's take a screenshot but then we would have to edit in your avatar and that's just too complicated (laughs) um I hope that the audience was paying attention to those tea recommendations. This tea smells amazing. I love green tea, that nice, like, earthy scent that you get from it. Uh, Some people might complain that green tea is like grass, and I say that's, one, disparaging, and two, honestly kind of the point. (laughs) That's also somewhat incorrect. Like, matcha is more grass than green tea. Yeah, yeah. And And also, also, green tea is so much better than black tea. And it also depends on the type of green tea and, of course, how long you brew it for. If you overbrew it, you're just ruined it. Yeah. there's the, the brewing process, the blend, all of that is very important. This smells amazing. I'm going to give it... I think I can not burn my tongue by touching this, so I'm going to give it a sip here. Yeah, the trick is to gulp it down without letting it touch your tongue. Oh, that's pleasant. Mmm. It is 83 degrees here, so a little bit too hot, but that feeling, that taste, that is a very good... I'm glad that I apparently brewed it correctly, and it's a very good blend. Um, I'm not good at this particular, like, talking about the specific details of tea flavors. Um, All I can say is this is some of the best green tea I've ever had, so... Nice. Thank you, Scrooge. So you're gonna send me some, right? The only thing before I address that, I would say, this is the type of green tea that might... Normally, I like to drink it just plain. This is the type of green tea that might benefit from a slight amount of honey. So, that's I might do that for the next cup that I make on a, on a nice cool day. Or cooler than 83 degrees, at least. Oh, hopefully those days are coming. He's not answering my question. And, uh, Zyver, uh, why don't you take us to the bombastic news? <laughs> well, if you insist, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the episode, Bombastic News, where Zyber, aka me, talks about the news that is bombastic. 
As usual, you should know by now that we have a website, thisisbombers.com, where you can find out about us as people. Uh, you can see information about our podcast, our YouTube channel, where we also post our podcast and try to post Twitch stream segments, whatever they're called. Uh, we also have a Twitch, speaking of, uh, twitch.tv slash thisisbombers, where we regularly play video games three times a week. You can join us usually on Thursday nights, except for this past week it was Wednesday, for community nights where we play games with the community. Uh, you can join our Discord, link in the description below, where we talk about a lot of stuff. And we now have a new game club and album of the week club going on again. Uh, you'll hear about the latest album we listened to hopefully later in this episode. As for the game, uh, that hasn't started yet, but we will be playing what game in October? It is Pony Island, a nice uh, kind of spoopy <clears throat> game for a spoopy month. Yep, so you can look forward to us talking about that eventually. Uh, I'm pretty sure we plan on streaming it at some point as well on Twitch to to get through the game. Yep. And the, finally... Well, what? I was going to say, we are going to bring back the uh, Game Club streams, so... Okay. And finally, uh, if you enjoy these conversations or anything that we do to entertain you, you can go to our Patreon and give us money. Uh, you can be an acquaintance, friend, best friend, or executive bomb deucer. And if you are any of those, you can... <laughs> Come on, you got this. You I need some week. tea. I need some tea, man. My throat is... Ah. I'll tell you, if you can make it through Bombtastic News, I'll send you some of this green tea. How about that? Perfect. Anyway, uh, you can join our Patreon, and if you do, you'll get to be in our Only Friends channel on Discord, where we show pictures of animals and talk about certain things sometimes about the our... Uh, uh, episodes go do it be our friends yeah. and shout outs to our current best friend of the show rob hello rob and hello. our friends Haley, aaron and reaper and our acquaintances hello to the rest of you thank you very much for your support we appreciate it um let's get the upcoming releases for this coming week out of the way uh it's a heavy week here i gotta tell y'all uh Starting tomorrow, the 27th, that is Tuesday, uh, we have three games. The first that I will list is Grounded is finally going gold and is releasing on the Xbox, Xbox One, and PC for its um, gold full actual release. It's been in the um, like game preview or early adopter, whatever they call that stuff. Uh, pre-access. Oh, that game. Yeah. <clears throat> Early access. Thank you. My brain was not getting that phrase together. Um, oh, good. It's a day. It's, it is a day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the alpha that used to be beta, but now it's alpha. Etc. Yeah. Uh, Grounded is a game. It's a survival crafting game where you basically are playing as the kids from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, lost in a backyard, surviving against all different kinds of insects and whatnot. The main enemies are spiders, so you know I'm out. Uh, <laughs> and you're trying to work your way through the game to, uh, I guess, get big again. Don't they have uh, like anti-spider mode? They they do they do. Um, speaking of things that I am out on, the next game that I have spotted here is a game called The Fridge Is Red, which I know nothing about because I didn't want to look too much at it. But it, the uh, webpage for it is Spiral Down the Horror Episodes. And I went, okay, well, 
maybe Zyber will be interested. I'm not looking any more into these details. I don't see that on my list of games coming out, so I don't I don't know what it is. Well, I linked it in our uh, recording chat there. Um, it's the second link down. Oh. I have to pull it up. <clears throat> uh, that is coming to the PC, and if you like horror stuff, you can look into that, but I'm not telling you stuff about it, because... Oh, you can play a demo right now. Yeah, I'm not going to do that, Zyber. I don't know if you picked up on that. Oh, uh, well, uh, I, I'm forcing you to. Nope. Uh, also, uh, tomorrow, uh, Tunic is getting its release for the PlayStation 4 and 5 and the Switch. Of course, it was already released on the Xbox stuff with their whole, like, early exclusivity contracts that they have. Uh, it's wonderful. Tunic's great. I love oh, yeah. it. I recommend it. If you Get like it. Zelda, Zelda-style games, it's 100% worth picking up. You have no excuse. If you're listening to this, you should have a device that now plays Tunic. If you don't, I, I don't know why you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, that is Tuesday. Then two days later... On Thursday, September 29th, there are a handful of games coming out, including, um, hold on, let me move over to the tab so I can share some details about it, including Brewmaster, the beer brewing simulator, coming to the PC. Uh, It's exactly what you think it is by looking at it. Um, Brew your perfect beer in a relaxing home brewing sim using realistic chemistry simulation to brew any type of beer that you specifically want. Which, if I know anything about home brews, you're just going to make a bunch of IPAs that are kind of not good. <laughs> um, so I, I w- do... Go ahead. No, go ahead. You do what? I do brew my own mead at home, and I know a couple of friends around the area who have been doing their own brew stuff. So this seems... Like a way to do that if you don't have access to the space or the time or the ingredients. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, oh man, I'm done brewing actual beer. If only I could continue brewing somehow. I know, I'll do it virtually. You make that joke, but one of our community members is a trucker for yep. his actual job and plays Trucker Simulator on his off time. Just like so. I know farmers <laughs> that play Farming Simulator, so yeah. yeah. By the way, I watched the trailer for the Red Fridge. I know yeah. I still know absolutely nothing about the game. <laughs> that doesn't surprise. Because wow, it's a horror game. Therefore, the trailer is like a horror trailer and doesn't that tells say you anything. Nothing. So here's the question then: uh, NPC, would you play Librarian Sim if that was a thing that came out and existed? <laughs> Only if he gets to punch the people that are too loud. Yeah. Oh, I see he's moving room now. Whoops, sorry. No, he, sorry he about is, that. He's running away from the red fridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I am escaping from the uh, the red fridge. Sorry, downside of having cats. They get into all the things that you don't want them to get into. I <clears throat> am very familiar with this concept. <laughs> uh, all right, so could you repeat the question again for me? Would I play a librarian-based uh, simulator? Yes. Honestly, it really depends on how they handle the simulator. Like, if it's handled similarly to, like, Reseteer or um, uh, Moonlighter or something else like that, where you get to go adventure to find the books and then you, you know, keep them in stock for the uh, 
the various members of the community that need them and go out and quest for more of them, 100% definitely would. But if yeah, it's that like, sounds awesome, actually. But if so it's, it's like, like my current day job, <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. So if it was because, more similar to the movies, The Librarian. I mean, if, if it was more like the movies like or movies and TV show, uh, yeah, 100% would definitely uh, do and recommend. Otherwise, I got too many Excel sheets that I deal with on a daily basis, and I don't want to have to go ahead and play the spreadsheet simulator when I'm at home. <laughs> I, you, again, I know community members who absolutely would have fun playing spreadsheet simulator. So. I mean, my <laughs> wife basically makes spreadsheets for every JRPG she plays. Anybody who plays like Eve Online is basically just playing Spreadsheet Simulator. Yeah, they're, they're playing accountants. Yeah. <laughs> um, also coming out on Thursday is a game called Moonbreaker, which I have now lost the link that I had open for that. So give me a second. Wow. Um, yep. Doing a doing a good job here. Moon Moonbreaker is. From the creators of Subnautica, a oh. digital turn-based strategy tabletop tactics game oh. in a bold, expansive sci-fi universe. It is uh, available already for early access, uh, and that is uh, getting its full PC release on Steam on the 29th. That is not something I would expect from the makers of Subnautica. No. And yet... <laughs> It, it looks are. interesting with it being basically a like a war game, like a mini tabletop tactics game. So I'm I'm a little bit curious already. Uh, now, question: Can you play this in VR? That is a wonderful question that I did not see an answer to on their website. It's like it looks like a literal tabletop game, except you know with animations and such. So animations and computer generated etceteras. Um, yeah, it doesn't say anything on the website about being uh, VR ca- uh, compatible, but they should definitely do that, because that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, we also have Dwarf Romantic is getting a release on the Switch. We talked about this game before when it was released on the PC, and I very much enjoyed it. It's a fun little relaxing, like, Carcassonne-style city builder tile placement game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also have witchy. What is this? Witchy life story, what? <laughs> uh, which I, I which I only include because that's a hilarious name, and I know that some of our community members are going to be all over it just for the name. Um, you have two weeks to save the harvest festival, tend your garden, and collect plants for spells and rituals to help the villagers of Flora. After all, if magic isn't for solving everyday problems, what's the point of a village witch anyway? A cozy story filled with chaos, friendship, and romance. It looks cute. Pretty sure that's what magic's for, the chaos, friendship, and romance. Yeah, but you solve those problems. Or, no, I guess you could create those problems. Well, you'll have to play the game to find out if you're solving or creating those problems with your witchy life in this story. Witchiness. So are the problems the the friends we made on the way? The real problems are the friends we made on the way. <laughs> That's uh, too relatable. Oh boy. <laughs> and the final final game on Thursday is actually two different games because it is Valkyrie Elysium and Valkyrie Profile Lenith. Woo! Um, coming, yeah, coming for the PlayStation Four and Five, and Elysium is coming also to the PC. 
Um, I know NPC, you were very excited to talk about this one, so go ahead and take oh, it God. away on that. <laughs> so for those who don't know, uh, Valkyrie Elysium is the newest uh, addition to the Valkyrie Profile series. Uh, those of you who are old gamers like myself uh, probably played the original Valkyrie Profile for the PlayStation or its PSP port Valkyrie Profile Leneth. Uh, the game tells the story of a Valkyrie trying to stop Ragnarok. And it in it, you go out, you find souls of the fallen, train them up in classic RPG style, and then try to save the world. Its sequel, uh, Silmaria, which is sadly not in this port list, uh, had you in a different side of adventure, but same world, a lot of similar characters. And now we get Elysium, which I know nothing about outside of a trailer that looked amazing, and now I need it. So the idea of being able to get the first game and the third in the same day is just, uh, I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> but you are able to get the two of them combined for 75 bucks on the PlayStation Store. Yep. Yeah. I remember the, um, it was like a, what do they call them, State of Play, where they released the Elysium trailer. That was a pretty good State of Play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember seeing that and being all like, this is different, but okay. <laughs> so, Never heard of the Valkyrie. It was, well, I it probably was, have, but... It was honestly surprising to see Valkyrie Profile coming back when they had released that trailer. Like, oh, wow! Yeah, yeah so, last yeah. thing we heard of, from the series was the uh, the port of Leneth from PlayStation to PSP. So, and that was, was... 2006. Yeah. Wow. So, we're, we're, you know, an entire gaming... Uh, an entire generation, really... You know, there are kids now that are just old enough to finally appreciate this, so. Yeah, if you guys are, like, <laughs> really excited for God of War Ragnarok, you could try getting into the lore with this game first. Yeah, it's Plus, the same. you know, strong female protagonist, and there's uh, some other uh, badass systems built into place. Like, you know, really interesting combo mechanic, if they bring that back correctly. Where, you know, you, uh, everybody has a certain number of hits, certain fighting styles, and you can mesh them together to basically do limit breaks. There you go. So, yeah, um, I'm in. <laughs> so, yeah, of, of all of those, uh, what was that, like seven releases that we talked about this week? Uh, let us know which ones you're interested in, and if you do pick any of them up, let us know what you think of playing them, especially the Valkyrie games. I'm very curious to hear more about those. So, NPC, when you end up inevitably picking those up, you'll have to uh, let us know. <laughs> just freaking out me next time. I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have if to get, attack me like this. If I get well, the I'll fridge make... red, will you watch me play it? I'll, I'll watch. As long as I don't have to play it, I'll watch you play it. Alright. Um... I'll, here, we can make up for, for that attack by now saying, hey, it's the guest discussion portion of the episode, at which point you get to geek out ad nauseum about things you want to <laughs> instead of us putting you on the spot. So here, let's put you on the spot about this. And <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always throw more questions and commentary at me, but uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Anthony Domenico, better known online as Librarian NPC. Uh, I am a... Uh, TTRPG indie game developer and uh, librarian by day, game dev by night ish. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of years of convention experience as a non player character where I would give out quests. That's how Deg and I met, I don't know yep. how many years ago now. And for some uh, reason, he still hasn't tried killing me yet, or at least permanently, anyway. But I'm not he's, a just, murder, hobo. he's just really bad at it. Well, I mean, I also respawn every five minutes, so. 
you know. That's relatable too. <laughs> Uh, but I I love making tabletop games that are inspired by various fun and entertaining t- uh, subjects while also having brand new and interesting mechanics that are not based off of the dragon game. So Good. For... Ubiquitous dragon game or the ubiquitous uh, apocalypse game. Yes. So the games I have out right now, the first one is called Niche, which is... Uh, the game that my friend Bob and I built to uh, run his brainchild, Project Henshin Heroes, which is a game series inspired by Super Sentai. I love that name. <laughs> and uh, the first Henshin Heroes game, Prisma Paladins, uh, he just approached me and said, hey, it was during COVID shutdown too, so you know we both had time. Yeah. And he said, hey, I want to make a game. And I want it to be Super Sentai, but I want it to be good and be more like Japanese Sentai, not American Power Rangers. Not I said, Power okay, Rangers, yeah. uh, let's do this. So what we did is we built an Apocalypse-adjacent game where it's still 2d6 versus a table, but we modified the table. We changed how you get your bonuses. We changed how you track uh, your various health by utilizing tropes. And if you take too much, uh, if you lose too many tropes, you lose the card that's tied to it. Yes, your character sheet's a collection of cards. Sounds like you splashed yeah. some fate into that. Oh, we splashed uh, Apocalypse, Fate, uh, and a whole bunch of various brainchilds I had been kicking around for years until we finally did that. So that's that's Niche and Henshin Heroes. Then I said, you know, I still have time. And there was a Saturday where I just sat there and said, you know what? <laughs> I want to do like a real challenge. So I challenged myself to make an RPG that would fill in one piece of paper. So I wrote Saturday morning, awesome cartoons, AKA smack. And it literally was me sitting there on a Saturday saying, I miss all the cartoons from the eighties and nineties. Yeah. I miss waking up on a Saturday morning with a bowl of sugary cereal and, you know, watching uh, cartoons that were basically just ways of producing more toy sales. Yeah, <laughs> And then I built a game that is basically you are making a character as though you are equipping a action figure. So you have oh, hand items, so you have good. backpack <laughs> items, and you build up from there. Let's um, profit off of this profiteering. <laughs> well, actually, the uh, one thing you'll find about a lot of my games is I try to keep them as low-priced as possible because I want them to be readily accessible and affordable. It's just sometimes I, you know... I need to be able to make enough money to keep the lights on. So, uh, which then leads to my next game, Data Drivers, which was my love letter to Reboot and Tron. Oh, you speak my language. (laughs) You're playing a computer program inside of a hard drive, going on the various misadventures that you would have. Now, of course, when you build your character, you can be anything. One of the example characters, I was talking to one of my artists, I said, this is what I want. I want just off the wall. What would happen if you took reboot and Tron and lived inside of the computer and all the things there? She said, well, I still need a character idea. I'm like, all right, you know what? This game is going to be so bonkers. You could play 10 dragons in a trench coat. So we now have a piece of art that is literally <laughs> 10 dragons in a trench coat. That is how the character 10 T was born, who has an unhealthy obsession with shinies and has a special power associated with collecting shinies. Nice. So, and that game uses a, uh, what I'm calling the binary system. It uses just even-sided dice. You just need uh, odds and evens. 
Oh, that's so it. coin flips, basically. You could do coin flips or any die you want because you're really looking for odds, zeros, or evens, ones. So you can grab a whole pile of D100s if you really wanted to. Might take you a minute <laughs> to get your result, but it's still there. Uh, I love that. Then after that, we get the big one that I've released, uh, which is my last official in-print release, uh, which is Ghast Bashers, which is a D12-powered comedy horror role-playing game inspired exactly by what you think. I was hanging around working on a proton pack. Yup, Deg's got a copy. Which yeah, is, I do. He, he's got a signed and numbered copy, you know, in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> so... What what happened with uh, with gas bashers here was uh, it's been thirty years since we've seen a officially licensed Ghostbusters role playing game, and I know there's some other games inspired by it, but not really a lot recently. So I said, all right, I want a game that can handle Ghostbusters, SCP, Supernatural, Warehouse Thirteen, The Librarians, Sanctuary. Men in Black, and I just kept going down this list <laughs> of things I wanted that all share similar veins of, you know, investigation, capture slash destruction if need be, and if possible, turn a profit so you can keep the doors open. With that nice supernatural-ish element to it as well. Yep. Uh, and the game was made to be relatively lightweight. Like, the actual rule section of it is, like, what, 16 pages, if that? And it's yeah. a digest-sized game with artwork. So, 16 pages to cover everything you need to actually play the game? It's really Which, not side bad. note, with awesome artwork, by the way. <laughs> I, I had some amazing artists uh, on board for that. Nightland and Malgi Monster just hit it out of the park. Yeah, they're great. <clears throat> but uh, what I ended up doing, though, is I, I wanted to release this game, so I did. And like I said, my love letter to Ghostbusters, as well as everything else uh, relating to it in that list. Um, and that that's actually been a very fun one to run at conventions. I'll actually be running it at a convention in a couple weeks. Uh, which is, uh, we're doing a, let's see, they're doing a cryptid theme at Subasacon, oh. and I will be running a game that is going to be based out of Point Pleasant, which is where the Mothman legend came from. Nice. Yep. That's good. I like that that all kind of comes together like oh, that yeah. for you. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all Where's, coming together. <laughs> where's that convention at? Uh, that's going to be uh, in Charleston, West Virginia. So and far anyone in the area. A little far for cyber, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But uh, and then after uh, Gas Bashers, I was debating what to work on next. So uh, coming up, I have a game that I've released as a quick start called Dualities. And I'm waiting on the final art for that before I can finish uh, the rest of Layout. And that is a card-powered role-playing game of shape-shifting heroes. I wanted a game that could handle... Everything from Magical Girls, Super Sentai, werewolves, people with like 18,000 suits of power armor, you know, multiple uh, demon or animal forms, and then just go to town. But still be balanced and not have to have different rules for each one of them. Because, you know, when you get into some games, you get so much crunch about the difference between a Magical Girl and a Sentai and a werewolf versus a wild shaped druid it's just so many moving parts 
barrier to entry for new people as well at that point. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to release a game where you, 10 bucks gets you everything you need to play the game. The deck of cards, index cards, pencils, and the book itself. I really wanted to make this game as approachable and lowest cost of entry possible. And we're going to go from there. I, I will more than likely lose money on it, but it get hopefully will get people into the hobby and uh, open up more doors because again, low cost of entry and just uh, very fast and easy uh, to pick up rule set with lots of storytelling potential. That one uh, is currently a quick start, so people can see the pamphlet size of the core rules. So Thank you have it. Yeah, so you have the like quick start version. When are you expecting like the, the finished version? Do you have like a rough idea? Well, originally I was going to have the finished version out by now. But, uh, or around right now, but, uh, I had some setbacks in my personal life, health issues. Uh, my artist, uh, and I weren't seeing eye to eye on a couple things. So we had to get some of that fixed up, um, because some of their art was in an entirely different direction than the, uh, art directions I gave. So we're redoing some of that right now. And, uh, the Kickstarter flopped. So I have to, uh pay for that out of my pocket in order to go ahead and get that done. But, you know, it it's, so, uh, it's interesting to say the least. So uh, it's a project. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so once the art is done, I just got to sit down, plug the last of the text into the book. So it's all laid out correctly, but I need the last of the art to know where am I putting the art to get the rest of it set up. Yeah, everybody loves doing layouts, right? Oh, it's so time consuming. <laughs> yeah. I was in your book. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> then uh, after uh, Dualities, uh, I actually just got the teaser uh, sample cover from one of my artists. We got to make a couple tweaks for it. But it's uh, going to be called Trip. The rest is play. Oh. And that is going to take the core mechanic of Gast Bashers and then all of the optional rules that people were asking for. So take the base D12 mechanic, three stats, nine skills of Gast Bashers, add in rules to handle everything from magic to giant robots, and then say go. <laughs> go. Yeah. And leave it up leave it up to the, the actual game group or the, the mm-hmm. DM game master to, to determine what the direction is for it. Yes. I'll, those open ended ones are pretty fun. Like I, that. You can really do some crazy stuff. Oh with yeah. Them. It's gonna be a toolkit very similar to what we see what we have seen with uh Cortex and Fate, for example. Right. Uh, so it's gonna be bigger than Lumen, but it's uh that's also because I need a little bit more crunch to go with the game. But, you know, it works. Uh, And then, of course, my big pet project is uh, an expansion for Ghast Bashers called Teams, Threats, and Tacos. Mm, Tacos. Yes, tacos. Uh, The premise behind that book is to touch base on various legends around the world and the people who are squaring off against them. So an actual, more like an expansion, like a lore expansion. Yes. Yep. That's cool. Because, you know, uh, we have such a Western-centric view in a lot of tabletop role-playing games, and specifically a Euro-centric view, uh, you know, when it comes to the worlds behind tabletop. So I want to expand on that to do something else. That sounds cool. And I like, 
like that that kind of expansion just increases the tools that can be given to game groups to mm-hmm. tell more stories. That's a great. I, I like that. I don't know. I don't know what to say. And uh, the the real great idea behind it is, I hope it'll actually get somebody to start reading mythologies in other cultures to expand their minds. And maybe you'll get them to get some extra ideas of what to throw at the table besides yet another, you know, random ghost number 872. Yeah, because uh, a lot of RPGs, you know, we do. What was that? <laughs> I loved 853's ghost. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was pretty good. Um, yeah, a lot of RPGs that you see, you, you get a lot of, as you said, Eurocentric, a lot of, like, Greek or Roman or Norse, as we talked about, like with Valkyrie Profile and the upcoming God of War Ragnarok. Just so much of that mythology is baked in. You don't really get to see a lot more of like the um, the Asian mythologies or <laughs> African mythologies or even Native American mythologies. Like there's yeah. a lot more really awesome stories in the world through all of the various cultures that we have. They're completely untapped for RPGs. Which is a real shame, because there's yeah. some awesome stuff oh, there. Oh, dang. Do you oh. know where you can get a lot of that Eastern stuff? Where? <laughs> in, like, Korean or Japanese RPGs. Uh-huh. Give me some examples, Zyber. Let's go. No, it doesn't matter. You don't like them. The JRPGs... If we're talking about, like, the actual video games, yeah, Yeah, fair. that's what I mean. I'm talking about, like, tabletop TTRPGs. Because all we see are just, like... Again, the dragon game mostly is is where a lot of stuff comes from. Yeah. Uh, There was White Wolf, actually, many years ago. I don't know if you remember the Scion series. I have the second edition on my shelf, and I played the crap out of the first edition when that came out. I have all of the first edition books except for the last one. And I never got to play it because nobody was interested. <laughs> yeah, I ran it a bit in college. Um, nice. The thing is, though, when you were talking about White Wolf and East, I thought you were about to go ahead and drop the reference to Kindred of the East or the Hengyokai Shapeshifters of the East. Because, no, yeah. Uh, or I was not. <laughs> or, what was it, The Land of a Thousand Dreams, I think, was the one based in uh, in the Middle East for Changeling. Uh, I didn't. I'll get too much into changeling, so... <laughs> I, I mean... Just walking database tabletop, don't mind me. Yeah. I, there, I mean, there's Exalted, which is one of my favorite tabletops, and that does have a fair bit of Eastern inspiration oh, yeah. to it, which is wonderful. And I, I just, I really like Exalted. I just think it's super fun to be ridiculous in that game. Exalted is a trip. Basically, Exalted is great if you want an over-the-top medieval fantasy, and Scion is basically the same over-the-top, just in modern day with mythology references. Yep. That's speaking my language with those two, and that, which is why I'm so upset that I never got to play any Scion games. Cause yeah. It just seemed really fun. What's stopping you from doing it now? Uh, it's hard to get groups together. And also, I'm spending all of my time on Bombers stuff. <laughs> so what I'm Although hearing do... is we got to go ahead and uh, run a game of Scion for Bombers. Yeah, let's yeah, do right. it. We got Sounds good. Fridays... <laughs> The other, the other thing that I've really been wanting to do in Bombers is put together just simple gas basher, like what one shot style things where we have like a Bombers franchise where we can dr- drop and add players and characters <laughs> based off of who happens to be there that week as the one that's on the assignment for the day type of stuff. That'd be great. 
Yeah, it's, uh, just, it's, I had it's to, a lot of work to plan games. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons why I write the games I do, because they're going to be very quick and easy to pick up like that. Like, uh, the demos I run, I outside of making the sample characters, I have a quarter sheet of paper, maybe a half sheet on the high end, to cover everything I need in order to run the game. That's magnificent. I, I love, like, the, the one-page, like, quick and easy one-shot style things mm-hmm. where you can just run a game real quick. Those are, That's wonderful. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that from you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I try to make lightweight games so that way people aren't sitting there going, all right, I got to map out every single encounter <laughs> and yeah. appropriately scale. It's like, nope, or, nobody has time for that. Or on the player side, uh, he's referencing Exalted, where you got to figure out, oh, what's my build and what are all of my different you know, abilities and... Just all that stacking silliness. all those charms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So far, the only the only games like that that I've played is uh, Monster of the Week and Everyone's John, which have been really fun <laughs> to play. I mean, Everyone's John is priceless. Yeah, it's very funny. That that is I, definitely I, a game to play when everybody is just tired at like three in the morning. Nobody slept for twenty four hours. Yeah. Oh, it's just spectacular. You would just do it during lunch in high school. <laughs> I did one of these now you make me feel times <laughs> recently. I ran three kobolds in a trench coat for the bombers group. <laughs> nice. That was very entertaining, uh, considering <laughs> the plot that I pay- gave to them was, you're attempting to get into a convention <laughs> as three kobolds in a trench coat. That seems really easy. Well, I mean, it's not supposed to be particularly hard. It's supposed to be what shenanigans are you going to get up to whenever you inevitably mess up. Just go in a Deadpool outfit, no one would bit bad an eye. Yeah, that's fair. Ugh. Three Kobolds in a Deadpool outfit? Oh boy. So where where can people find these uh, games that you've made? Yep, thank you. So uh, the game, most of... Yeah. Words. Words are great. Uh, first, I am working on a uh, website of my own to uh, sell my games as I go, as well as the 3D prints that I am doing, because show up to a convention with just three books, two books, you're not going to get too much attention. So I got into 3D printing as a side thing. I throw money at a bunch of artists, and they say, yes, sell our stuff and pay us money dollars. I'm like, okay. So I uh, have a collection of artists that I have sculpts for. I just haven't gotten around to setting up the uh, the website because there's a couple hundred models that I need to go through the effort of. That is a lot. Know, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last convention I ran, I had, I think, 200 and... I want to say like 206, 207 different figures sitting at my table. Now, like in so, type, types of figures? Or... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah That's I, a lot. Yeah. And that, that was just the figures. That didn't include the statues. That didn't include the bigger figures, like the summons and the other monsters. And That's that big, also didn't include the monsters in my Gashapon. That's a big table space for a convention. I mean, it, it's just standard uh, eight-foot table, if I remember correctly. But I just had to get really creative with how I set up. <laughs> yeah, I so, bet. <laughs> um, but outside of my own website, which is still under construction, I have all of my games available on itch.io, so itch.io slash librarian NPC. 
Uh, I also have set everything up under my my publishing company name, which is Pithy Productions. Good name. Yep, Dag, you're like, yeah, that, yeah that's so you. <laughs> that that pith helmet is still around. It's yep. coming back. Uh, but I released game. I released my games under Pithy Productions, which you can find on Drive Through RPG, and I also have print copies available through Indie Press Revolution. All right, and then you're going to be at some conventions coming up too. Yep, uh, my uh, my partner's setting up at Subasacon, so I'll be helping her out in October, and uh, she lets me have a couple of my games at her table in exchange for me helping. So, you know, so I'll be there. Uh, I will be at ArcadeCon in November, and uh, that is a RPG or table it's a tabletop RPG convention in Dayton, Ohio, and that's the first weekend of November. I'll be vending there, and I was invited as a guest to DuelCon, which is a hybrid tabletop gaming and video game convention based in Charleston, West Virginia. I was invited as a guest, so I will be there in February. Nice. Nice. And then there's a couple others that are on the uh, potential docket. It's just, can I get table space uh, confirmed? always the big question isn't it yeah you know that whole can i get the time off work and uh can i get through the waiting list and do i have the money to pay them their table fees yeah table fees are always a real upfront gamble because you don't know how well your sales are going to be yeah and if it's a winter con then it's that game of can i even make it if the weather gets bad oh yeah that's true yeah, so there, that's that's always the gamble. But I try to do in-person appearances uh, to promote and sell my stuff, and also just talk nerd. And I yeah. also am trying to get more of the web presence set up, so bear with me. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the real fun of conventions, is being face-to-face and actually, you know, nerding out with people. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, whenever yeah. you do get the website set up, let us know, we can share that as well. Oh yeah, I appreciate that. that out there for sure. Um, I don't really think I have any more questions on that front, unless you have anything more you would like to continue to uh, <laughs> put out there. I mean, that covers uh, most of what I've been doing lately, uh, based off of you know the various business mentality. You know, it's mostly just uh, more and more three D prints coming up. Uh, more games being produced. Uh, oh, that's right. There is one other one that's on the docket. I just haven't really finalized it outside of a the fact that it's only going to use D4, D8, and D12. Okay. I like the little um, going for some of the less used dice is very fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, the D12 is a very special lonely die. And yeah. uh, there are some games I've seen that use only D8s, like Byte, and then Caltrop Core mm-hmm. uses D4s, if I remember correctly. So I'm here going, well, what what can I do to make things interesting? And now it's like, hey, here's a game idea, 4, 6, and 8, and it's going to be a sci-fi game. Okay, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more about that as you get it figured out. One of the inspirations behind it is Metroid. Awesome. All right, you're you're talking to the correct people here, then. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had to put that one on hold because uh, 
the duality's brainwave finally broke the uh the one challenging bit i had then i finished it and then now i'm just editing and layout and waiting for art so i i had to put uh my sci-fi game to the side until I could finish the game that is actually ready to be produced. Yeah, I, that makes sense. That is the hardest part of projects is the the home stretch. <sighs> like, uh, it's it's done, but not finalized. But I got this other project I really want to work uh-huh. on. Yeah, <laughs> I have like yeah, I have a bunch of them. You know, again, you know, between the sci-fi game trip, dualities, and uh, team threats and tacos, I shouldn't be sleeping, but. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah, it sounds like it keeps you real busy. I guess that that is one question because you covered a lot of the business side of things. What have you been doing with like personal time for gaming or hanging out and relaxing and stuff like that? Well, which is when I have time. Right yeah. now, I'm being forced to take time because I spent five days in the hospital, and uh, my doctor gave me the go ahead to be home for the rest of this week, and I'm on light duty, like don't lift anything over ten pounds type. You know, don't go overboard. Yeah. So I'm stuck here recovering. So I've been playing some console gaming, um, reading a little bit, you know, between the hospital stay and being out and just going from there. Reading wise, uh, I read a comic called uh, The Quarantine Zone released by DC. And in it, it does a what if situation of the root cause of all evil is a virus that destroys part of your brain and therefore uh, you need to be cured of it. And now you have this idyllic society where everybody is completely harmless. I can't even hurt a fly and everybody who is infected or cannot be cured gets sent out to a wasteland. As they should. Interesting. (laughs) <laughs> it's got a, that to me has like vague amounts of do you remember the carl urban and the rock uh doom movie yeah it has a little bit of that feel to it yeah it, just, it's just off your description yeah it, it's an interesting uh comic um definitely worth the time i put into reading it and i got it cheap at a used bookstore so even better uh so yeah it was a fun read uh, I was also doing some reading on a game i've been wanting to finish reading called uh was it uh, Iron Forged or sorry Iron Sworn Star Forged, which is the sci-fi version of the RPG Iron Sworn, and that one is a uh, what was it? It was a two d six and a d eight based role playing game, or was it d ten? I think it's d ten. And in it, you are a uh, you're an explorer going out into uh, the various parts of the galaxy to find resources, technology, etc., to make everything around you a better place. But of course, it's dangerous work and lots of other problems accrue. The game is actually built for solo play as well as small oh, group play. That's cool. It is really cool. Uh, every time I tried to read it, including when I was in the hospital, something would come up. So I I didn't get very far. I think I'm only like 30 pages in, but I'm definitely loving what I'm reading so far. That's good. And uh, after getting out of the hospital, uh, was it yesterday, it finally released on PS5, uh, because I don't have PC gaming anymore as an option, uh, the game Hard Space Shipbreaker. 
Oh, yeah, that's a cool one. So, if, if for those who don't know, you are uh, an employee of the Lynx company. You owe the company like 1.4 billion credits. And your job is literally breaking down salvageable ships. And it's it's like this really weird cross of... Um, like, it has some parts that remind me of Dead Space with, like, the tools that you get to use. Um, there's a little bit of, uh, oh boy, what was that? There was a game where you, uh, were literally cleaning up from the aftermath of... Viscera cleanup detail. Yes, that one. Very reminiscent of that, where you have to go ahead and, <laughs> like, uh, cause, you know, right now, like, when I was playing it earlier, uh, you have to be careful about areas that are pressurized and not pressurized, uh, you have to cut off parts of the ship, but not so much that you're going to melt the aluminum that you need to uh, throw in the furnace. But you also have to know the difference between are you throwing it into the furnace, the processor, or to the barge. And you're just doing this repeat of what goes where in a limited amount of time with limited resources, i.e. fuel and air. Sounds like a librarian and... job. it's definitely been interesting and sometimes i'm just like i wonder what's going to happen when this blows up and like i've just been purposely doing things like that like (laughs) after i do one of the achievements i'm working on which involves breaking apart two uh two ships of the same type and accruing a certain amount of money between both of them once i get that achievement done i'm going to go ahead load it and i'm going to purposely lose as much money as possible i'm going to get the ship i'm going to just throw everything into the void of space i'm going to remove the reactor and let it blow up i'm going <laughs> to hit the uh the fuel canisters so they blow up like i'm just going to blow this ship to smithereens to the point where it will say i just lost because it gives you a gauge at the top of how much progress you've made and how much damage you've done like, you know, what is no longer salvageable. So okay. you get, it tells you how many percent is no longer salvageable. My worst so far, I think, was like a uh, 10% not salvageable. Kind of curious bad. if I can get that to like 90% not salvageable. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a fun little project tonight. So, but it's been, a, fun. it's been a good relaxing thing that I could play in between everything else in my life. Yeah, as I try to recover and not feel like death. Yeah, you got to take it easy and relax for sure. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if our audience noticed, we stealth moved into Minish Recap here, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anything, Zyber, let's see if you have anything interesting that's happened this past week. Yeah, so... uh, I I was trying really hard to get Fall Fantasy XIV to run on a PlayStation, my account specifically... I had issues because my actual PlayStation account is tied to an old uh, Fall Fantasy account, and they won't remove it for me because I used an Amazon Prime subscription to get a month of Fall Fantasy subscription, and therefore, oh no, sorry, you paid for it at one point. We can't, we can't remove it from your PlayStation account. Super annoying. The amount of ridiculousness that Squeenix has been doing over the, the whole like hey if you've ever paid a subscription fee at all you have to resubscribe period like supposedly this thing specifically is a PlayStation issue and I'm just like I'm not sure why it would be 
Like, for a reason, they're not able to remove their account from my PlayStation account being synced together. And so finally, I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'll just make a new PlayStation account and sync my current <laughs> Fall Fantasy account to it. Well, <laughs> I accidentally, because um, uh, my 30-day trial ended when I bought the actual Fall Fantasy 14 on the PC, so I was just going to buy the PS version and get another 30 days as well. Well, I accidentally bought it on my actual PlayStation account. So, oh, no. So I ended up buying it on the second dairy one, and I got Final Fantasy XIV. Finally, work on a PlayStation. Huzzah! But I contacted PlayStation support to try to get a refund because I'm just like that was sixty bucks. Still, I, I want to get I that back. I accidentally bought it on the wrong account. Give me my money back. So I told the bot and the ch- chat and the bots all like, "Oh yeah, let me send you to an actual person." And then I waited and waited and waited. And while I was waiting, I'm just like, "Hey, I got." volume two of this graphic novel called magical boy let me go read that and so i did i read through it all support never contacted me so i need to try again later but anyway magical boy is a fun graphic novel uh online friend of mine wrote it it is about uh uh high schooler about a a magical boy so it's about a high schooler who is descendant of a long line of magical girls you know like the sailor moon-esque yeah. magical girl stuff and so issue is uh this high school is trying to come out as a trans boy trans male so that's an interesting concept i like that yeah so it's magical boy because he is a boy instead of a girl yeah his mom is right. absolutely furious because she's all like oh every descendant of this family is always a girl and blah blah so you got you got to deal with in general the real world conflict of coming out as trans and also this magical scenario where both sides are just all like huh you you can't possibly be a guy that makes no sense it's too bad i i am (laughs) i i need this in my life yeah it sounds it's really like, good. Like you, you really can find it at most bookstores. Every like Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and all that stuff I go to, I end up seeing it. If you could like jot down the name in a you know one of our group chats somewhere, so I can actually like see it, because there's a couple people in my life that I need to send it to, and I like <laughs> making sure that I have exactly what we need for it. So yeah, it was split into two volumes. Both the second one just came out a couple weeks ago, so they're both available now. And yeah, well, and is that. That's the complete story. Is, yeah, uh, over two volumes. Yeah, that's I like whenever you get that nice like definitive start and end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was originally posted on Webtoons, and then the oh, of course it was Webtoons, Webtoons yeah. actually got published. So that's pretty awesome. That is. Yep. I um. Let's see. On Monday, I guest starred on uh, Admiral's uh, stream for a game show that he ran that he called Secret Time, where a bunch of his friends uh, and fellow streamers, we all came together and we we submitted to him before the show a couple secrets and then had to, as a group, decide who the secret belonged to. And, you know, one of those, like, sort of like a an icebreaker-style uh, exercise, except much more uh, embarrassing and silly than an actual icebreaker because we went with some really ridiculous <laughs> secrets, I'll tell you for sure. Yeah, I heard um, some of it. 
Yeah, that was fun. I'm going to try and see if I can't uh, get him to pull the video of his stream that was just the secret time portion and, and put it together into some sort of video and be able to actually have people watch it that weren't there for the stream because it was very entertaining. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, I also went through a bunch of just awful, awful woes, uh, having installed a new hard drive into my computer because I was running out of space on my, uh, video game, uh, drive, put in a new drive that had been sitting on the desk for like months and months and months, finally was, was low enough on space that I slipped it in there, moved over a bunch of game files and whatnot from the current drive to that one. And broke everything by doing that. Ooh. Because because the Xbox app for PC is not actually a normal executable. It's an app through the App Store. Not something that you just d download like a normal PC should work. I hate work. those things so much. I hate them it's so, so much. So it continually kept thinking that all of those were still... All of those games that were installed on the OneDrive were on that one drive. There was no way for me to reassign the file path that it was looking at. Even when I uninstalled the Xbox app and reinstalled it, it kept some sort of uh, file path, hash. cookie, something or another. I don't know. Hash, whatever. Zyber, you would know what I'm talking about more <laughs> than I would. Yeah. Uh, it kept something on the system that it kept looking at the same thing. So I had to format both drives, the one that the files had been moved to and the one that the files had come from, in order to get that to work, which means that I then had to reinstall all of those games, and I had to reinstall all the games for all of my other gaming, like Steam and Origin and etc. Because in, I didn't have enough space to, to fiddle them around back and forth while formatting both drives. It was such a pain, and I was so mad at Microsoft for, like... Let me use my computer the way I want to, not the way that you're forcing me to, please. Well, now you know for next time. Uninstall the games and then reinstall them in the new location. Maybe, because again, because of the way that the hash was were broken, I, I, like, I couldn't even tell the Xbox to uninstall it because it was looking at that old file path to uninstall and then being like, well, there's nothing here. And <laughs> Well, there's nothing that, here. Why do you say there is? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on top of that, doing all of that swapping around just left like 20 gigs of garbage files from those weird old hashes that were then like owner protected the whole like admin stuff to an account that doesn't exist for some reason so i couldn't even view them or delete them because i wasn't the owner of them even though i had i, I am the administrator of my pc <laughs> and i was giving myself administrative permissions it was telling me that i wasn't the owner so i couldn't it was just such a headache i was so upset just so i did i ended up i pulled the nuclear option and formatted the drives so that's where you just cue the hades reference of there's just one eensy weensy teensy weensy little problem i own you yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh that was a pain um that's ministry cap let's wrap up the episode we finally have brought back, thanks to Prime Minister Oshi, we have finally brought back our Album of the Week Club here on the Bombers uh, Discord server. Again, link in the descriptions below. Where we, each week, one of the participants in the club submits a new album for us to listen to. It's a great way to broaden your experience in music to things that you may not usually be exposed to. And to learn a little bit more about your fellow community members, 
by figuring out what their music tastes are. Uh, so this kicked off this week, uh, NPC Cyber. We kicked off Oshi submitted Gustav Holst's The Planets Suite, which I actually saw performed live by the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra uh, just a couple years ago, like uh, pre-world events. Um, and I love it. I love the plan. So it, it, um, I, NPC, I know you weren't necessarily prepared for this discussion, but okay. have you listened to the Planet Suite before? I have not, no. Okay. Um, at least I don't you know, so. <laughs> you've probably heard at least Mars, which is the bomb, 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 you know that? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, me singing it was super great, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it did give me like a Star Wars vibes. Yeah, that's what I really loved about going back and re-listening it. Not just listening to it because the orchestra's playing it, but listening to it in a little bit more of a paying attention mindset for the album was really... And we had a big discussion on it in the Album of the Week channel. How much specifically Holst has... He, he composed this in the early 1900s, uh, right around uh, the radios existed at the time, but the film industry really didn't yet. But his music so deeply impacted and inspired a lot of movie scores. You can you can hear the influence of Holst's music in well, specifically a lot of John Williams stuff for mm-hmm. sure. You can hear That's it. That's why you know the name. Okay. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, John John Williams's stuff, uh, Zemeckis's stuff, has a lot of uh, Holst inspiration in it too, which is another name that a lot of people will know from movies. Um, you know, we've a lot of Mars shows up in Star Wars a, a lot. Uh, Venus had, we, we noticed that there's some similarities in Venus to like Phantom of the Opera or different portions of Back to the Future. It was really cool actually paying attention to, oh, I can see how, how this music inspired. Um, Cyber, did you give a, give a listen to this album? So I started listening to today. I got a three of the fourth one, Saturn, I believe. And yeah, I'd say like, like Mercury and Saturn, also remind me of like the kind of music that was used for um, Fantasia. So like one of them I even like was trying to like imagine just a little storyline that was happening. Yeah, um, I believe I got to pull up. I, I didn't open up the actual list because I don't remember exactly which plan is which uh, <laughs> track number because I can't remember the order of them. Um I think it's Mercury that. No, no, no. It's it's Uranus the magician. It it, it sounds so much like the magician's apprentice, which, uh, hey, the magician, the magician's apprentice. Weird that they're together. <laughs> we'll have to get that um, far to listen to it. Well, it's it's and what's interesting about that is that I'm gonna look this up now in the middle of this. I I didn't think to prepare this. How dare us um, being prepared. But, Never. Who does the, that? Um, Fantasia came out in was the forties, fifties. I keep that. It's it was pretty early. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was fairly early, but 
The Sorcerer's Apprentice, the actual song, is from uh, completed in 1897. So moderately contemporaneous to Holst in his composing of the Planet Suite. And then it wasn't like full-blown in public consciousness, of course, until Fantasia, really, with the Mickey Mouse and the magic and all that. That was um, 1940. Was 40? Okay. It's interesting to think that Holst knew the Magician's Apprentice uh, by French composer Paul Ducasse. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, like, I like music. I'm glad that Oshi brought back the club. And I'm looking forward to more songs. And I really appreciate that the first choice that we had was these wonderful classic pieces. Well, for any given definition of classic, they're orchestra pieces in the early 1900s. There's a lot of discussion that we had over classic versus modern, etc. Um, it's neoclassic. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, the, the orchestra music, shall we well, say. Well, I'd say, um, like, was, it's definitely classic. Like, I mean, even current orchestra stuff doesn't necessarily sound like that anymore they have their own modern twists there is a lot more it's in current classic tends quote-unquote classic uh tends to be like used for movie scores and all of that is influenced as as i said earlier a lot of it's influenced by holst's original themes that he's that he kind of went for there so it's, it's cool it's a good it was a good listen so thank you oshi and looking forward to um, oh, I guess at this point, technically on this recording, um, uh, my, I'm the next pick for the album of the week. However, this episode comes out after I will have picked it, so you two will get to know this a couple, a little bit before it gets announced in the actual Discord. My pick for album of the week is... Um, I wrote he doesn't it remember. I need... No. I guess we won't find out. Oh, no. Uh, my the pick was... No, it is The Dead South, uh, Good Company. That is the album that I have picked. Okay, I don't know what that is. It's some uh, a uh, folk bluegrass ensemble. Oh. So that might explain why you don't know what it is. Super good stuff. Um, my, I, I am looking forward to hearing people's thoughts on that, which sort of plays into the fact that I said... Yeah, my music choices are very eclectic. So here, have some folk bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> well, Haley, my wife, listens to some bluegrass. Like, uh, what's the term? Versions the of term. songs? Arrangements? Yeah, arrangements. Yeah, I mean, bluegrass is fun. I, and I like blues in general, so bluegrass just takes blues and gives it that more twangy Is it that matcha it? flavor that we desperately need? Yep. Yep. I got. Yep. 